Hello and welcome back to Highway to Hoover, a production of SEC Extra over at D1Baseball.com. I'm your host, Joe Healy, joined today by Anthony Dasher of UGASports.com. We're going to talk some Georgia Bulldogs baseball coming off of an emphatic sweep opening weekend against UNC Asheville. More than that, though, we're going to talk about just kind of some big picture stuff about the early days of the Wes Johnson era in mm-hmm. Athens, a lot of excitement about him being in town. And uh, certainly, look, I mean, can't read too much into the opening weekend result against an opponent like UNC Asheville. No disrespect, of course, but um, there were some exciting things happening within that result. So we will get into that here in just a second. But first, I have to let you know that this episode of Highway to Hoover and every episode of Highway to Hoover is brought to you by Pitch Logic. The system used by players, coaches, scouts, and instructors at all levels of play from youth leagues to the big leagues. The easy-to-use and affordable technology makes the platform accessible to every player at every level. All the metrics and features used at the highest level. See PitchLogic.com for more information. Uh, Dash, first off, I appreciate you appreciate you joining us. We were talking sure. off-air about how cold opening weekend was, so I hope you have sufficiently thawed out by now. Yeah, it took me a, took a couple of days, but uh, yeah, it was definitely a, a cold one. I know the players were all, coach was all bundled up, especially on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anybody was spared. Every, every, you know, the game, the games I were at was cold. Every game I watched on streaming, everybody was bundled up. The mm-hmm. people in the crowd with blankets across them. It was, it's mm-hmm. just, you know, that, that's life. And when you're starting your sport in, in winter, basically. So exactly. Uh, um, I mentioned up top, you know, the, the sweep of UNC Asheville and, Again, we can't get too wrapped up in the individual result there, just given the opponent, the bigger tests are to come. But mm-hmm. within those results, I'll leave it really broad for you. What yeah. stood out to you from the opening weekend success? Well, that was my exact question to, to Coach Johnson after the game on Sunday. And the two things he mentioned was two things he wanted to see was one was competitiveness. Number two was consistency. Wasn't had nothing to do with the outcomes, nothing to do with the, the score. He just wanted to see his team play like it's supposed to play. Even and again, again against an opponent like like Asheville, Georgia was expected to go out and, and win pretty handily. And, you know, and that's what they wound up uh, doing. But he wanted to see his team, you know, be consistent, like I said, be competitive. He wanted to see his team have fun. That's one thing that I've really noticed, you know, since he's been here. You know, baseball, as you know, is hard enough as it is. You don't need to put any extra pressure on you. So go out and have a good time. Have some fun. And, you know, Georgia certainly was able to – to do this. I mean, the this was only the first time, say, one of six times in Georgia football, I'm sorry, bad football mind here, baseball history, that uh that, that you see the Bulldogs have scored ten or more runs in in uh in opening three games, you know, and all the time long as they've been playing baseball. So, you know, that was uh that was pretty impressive. And we saw some players uh, you know, uh have some have some pretty good debuts, uh, you know, for the team. So it was a lot to like again throw away, you know, the opponent, you know, can't take that into account. You can't, I mean, we're not going, we're not going to know how good Georgia is going to be. I don't think the SEC play begins. I mean, there's no way with the schedule they've got, you're going to be, well, I don't think to tell that, but they did some good things and some things coach, coach uh, Johnson was looking for. They were able to check some boxes. Yeah. It's a good point you make about the schedule. I mean, you, you get a little bit of a taste maybe in the Georgia tech series, right. But, but yeah. Georgia tech is not, you know, yeah. Right, they're they're a little bit down, and, and and so you're not really sure exactly what you're what you're going to get there. Mm-hmm. One um one thing I noticed about the weekend was that I think something like 15 different position players started. Um, 15 different start, yeah, and 16 plays, so they've got some depth. Yeah, how much? I mean, obviously, some of that is just because it's opening weekend, and you're mm-hmm. trying to get guys some some run out there. But how much do you anticipate this being a lineup that has a lot of different iterations through all throughout the entirety of the season? 
I think there's no question that's going to happen. I mean, Coach uh, has actually, you know, said that. They've got enough depth right now where they're going to be able to, uh, depending on if a right-hander or left-hander is on the mound, like, for example, if a left-hander throws, they, they, they can run out of the lineup with seven right-handed hitters. And, uh, you know, if a right-hander's on the mound, they can roll out, uh, you know, six lefties. So uh, they've got a, a, a lot, of, lot of depth, a lot of, lot of good depth, a lot of good right-handed, left-handed combination they can throw out there. And uh, I think that's what you're going to, uh, you know, see Georgia do throughout the season. As, as you know, I mean, Coach Johnson is the most analytically keen coach I think I've ever been around in my entire life. And uh, it's not just pitching. It's also the, the office where Will Coggins has come in and really done, a, I think, a great job with some of these hitters you know, back in the fall and preseason. They're going to they're going to lean on these analytics when it comes to hitting as much as they all, you know, what they do on the mound. One of the, the hitters that impressed most opening weekend, Slate Alford, you know, yeah. co-SEC player of the week honors from the league at SEC Extra. He was our mm-hmm. SEC player of the week offensively, three home runs, uh, you know, hit 429 for the weekend, something along those lines. Um, you know, he's a guy who the, the talent's never been in doubt. You know, at Mississippi mm-hmm. State, we, we looked at him as, hey, this guy could be a future star. And, uh, to what extent does it look like maybe from what you even going back to the fall and preseason, to what extent does it look like maybe Alford is starting to tap into a little bit more? Well, what we saw this week is pretty much what we've seen in fall and in, in the preseason. Uh, I guess the biggest thing that surprised me, though, is, is, is uh, you know, Slate hitting the leadoff. I mean, everything we were kind of told it was going to be Dylan Carter, but Dylan Carter hit ninth and Slate was hitting leadoff. And, you know, will that stay that the rest of the year? I mean, I've had people ask me that. You know, you know, since uh, since that game on Sunday, and and as long as it's working, yeah, why not? I think he will see Slate continue to hit hit, hit number one, followed by Charlie Condon number two, and Dylan Goldstein number three. Potentially, that could be a very good, you know, top three of the order. But but Slate is a uh, again, he's worked extensively with Coach Coggins. He's tried to shorten the swing just a little bit. He's not chasing as as many bad pitches, you know, so, you know, so far as maybe he was at State at times last year. So. uh they put in some hard work with it, and, and, and again, through three games against the you know opponent like like Asheville, is paying off. But we'll see what happens as they move down the road. Because again, once once conference play starts, start seeing some of these SEC caliber pitchers, he's gonna have to make some more adjustments. I would think. Charlie Condon interestingly played, and this is something you wrote about uh, in back in the fall. I recall, mm-hmm. you know, he played just about everywhere defensively in the fall. They yeah. were just kind of moving him around. And this weekend, he played some first, he played some left. Also, and those things aren't too crazy for him, but he also played some third base. I mean, yeah. what can you tell us about Charlie Condon, the third baseman? And then also more broadly, how he handled all the moving around of just seeing where else he could play. Well, it's funny. He started at third base uh, in Friday's opener, but did not get a chance. He didn't get a single opportunity to make a play. <laughs> so, so we're still kind of waiting to see on, on that. But we have, again, we again, back in the scrimmages, we did get to see him play some third. It was very effective. But you even seen him play a little bit of shortstop, believe it or not. Now, he's not going to do that in the game, you know, but – Coach Joss has been been has been having him as well as well as a lot of these other guys play a lot of different positions and and Charlie like you uh, like you say can play left you know center right uh, and I was talking actually talking to um, uh, Coach Coggin it was a, a week ago talking about Charlie in left field of course Coach Coggin you know coached some pretty good players at, at Mississippi State and he said at this stage in Charlie's career. And the uh, same stage these players' career, he's, he's, he's playing at left field at just as good as Will Renfro or Brent Rooker when they were at state at this same stage in their own, own career. So that's a, a pretty impressive statement to say how Charlie's doing right now. And we see Charlie make the great old you know Sports Center play on Sunday where he goes tumbling over the the wall uh, in the bull the uh, wall there in the bullpen to uh, make a make a catch. So Charlie, uh, 
a lot more athletic, I think, than people would have given him credit for. And uh, I think that's obviously going to help him even more as he moves forward in pro ball. Yeah, no doubt. The scouts love to see, can can we stick you somewhere other than first base? You know, uh, yeah. do you have a little more athleticism yeah. there? Yeah. yeah. Um, you mentioned, oh, just quickly, um, what was the exit velo you saw over the weekend from Charlie? 118.3 miles per hour, which is, was, was the hardest uh, hit ball I've ever seen hit since they've yeah, been tracking all this stuff. I mean, yeah, that's like, that's a big league exit velo. You know, that's like an Aaron Judge, John Carlos Stanton type of, type of exit velo. Um, you know, this I I don't know how this might be a little bit of a hot take because Tommy White exists in the mm-hmm. SEC, but <laughs> there's a chance that Charlie. I mean, he might be the just the best hitter in the SEC. Full stop. Um, the power is obviously there, yeah. but the way he hits home runs for me, and I'm not a scout, I'm not a coach, but you know, I remember back in the fall in the Kennesaw scrimmage, which I know you you weren't there for Dash, but mm-hmm. he hit a backspin line drive mm-hmm. at like a hundred and 11 miles an hour or something that hit the camera stand behind center field. It was one of those backspin line drives that it just kind of like took off like an airplane, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, I just don't, you don't see those types of batted balls tend to be like doubles, not home runs that carry out of the ballpark. So again, maybe a little bit of a hot take. And and I get that because Georgia wasn't a postseason team last year and they're, they're not expected to necessarily be this year that he kind of falls under the radar, but man, Mm -hmm. I, I just have a hard time imagining maybe outside of Tommy white, there's just a better hitter in, in the pure hitter in the sec than him. Yeah. I I think you might be right. And then, you know, obviously I saw LSU, you know, play last year and Tommy white is, is one of the premier players hit the ball as hard as anybody in the entire country. But Charlie is right there. I think, I don't think what kind of Charlie kind of fools people sometimes he's so tall. He's so, you know, lean. And uh, I just, People don't think he's necessarily swinging hard, but I, again, 118.3 mile per hour And he had another one on Sunday that went right back at the pitcher at 115.2. It hit off the pitcher's backside. And I'm surprised the pitcher is still with us today, to be honest with him. Hit him, any, hit him anywhere else within a broken bone. Seriously. It was yeah. That. I mean, that, yeah. That, you could hear the kind of the, the um, like a hush kind of went over the crowd when the ball was first set. When they first finally saw the pitcher was okay, they actually able to make a, make a, try to make a play anyway when the ball was. The throw was uh, wide and, you know, Charlie was safe. But uh, to have one come back at you on the amount of 115 miles per hour, it's just, I don't see how you can, <laughs> you can avoid something like that. Yeah, you, you got no chance at 115, you know. Um, yeah, I kind of smiled and laughed. But honestly, yeah, you're right. I mean, that could have ended horribly. <laughs> so yeah. good thing it hit it, you know, it hit him in a, in a squishy part of his body, I guess. Yeah, that was, exactly. <laughs> although sitting was probably not comfortable for a few exactly. days. Exactly. Hey, everyone. We're going to take a quick break from our discussion to hear a couple ads from our sponsors. Let's flip to the mound. Um, mm-hmm. First off, I wanted to ask, you know, there was a little bit of a surprise for me anyway, mm-hmm. in the rotation when we saw Christian Rackna's name in, in the mm-hmm. rotation. Um, he's a guy who was more of a bullpen guy at, at George Mason. Um, how much was he someone you heard as a potential weekend guy? Because there were a lot of guys in the mix, but he was not necessarily a name that I had at the front of mind of, of somebody I expected to see. It wasn't until probably three weeks ago that I realized he was going to have a chance. Now, he didn't get to Georgia now until January because of, of you know, right, enrollment right. and all that kind of thing. But but he is it hasn't taken him long at all to really ingratiate himself with, with Coach Johnson, who just absolutely, you know, loves what he brings to the mound. He's a guy, he's what, six foot five, 220 pounds. Uh, he's, you know, he didn't do this the other day, but he, he hasn't in the scrimmage topped off at 95. Uh, he's got a got a very good curveball change up. His slider has been very effective. And right now they're just trying to, you know, again, just kind of 
helped kind of bring him along. He's only started one one game before this in his entire college career. I think he had, what, four saves last year for George Mason. It's been strictly a reliever, a closer type. But 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 West Johnson sees something in him that he thinks he can be a quality closer, you know, in the SEC, and that's what they're trying to do with him right now. And, yeah, but, I, yeah, I, I thought he might be actually be bumped back to Sunday, but, but Leighton Finley, uh, who I know you saw against Kennesaw, uh, you know, got the call in, in that game looking very well. But Chris Maragna, though, as a name's kind of popped on the scene a little bit here a little bit late, but – uh. Again, pitched very well. Only gave up one run. Had three walks, which is you know a little bit of a concern. But they they love his stuff. They love his makeup, and we'll see how he does moving forward. The mound is Georgia's pitching staff is kind of interesting to me. And, and Mark and I talked about this on um, our, our podcast previewing the dogs, and mm-hmm. that because there's so much turnover in the lineup, right? I mean, there's a lot of familiar names gone out of the lineup around Charlie and Cor- you know Corey Collins and, and what have you, but. Um, so I kind of just in my mind kind of expected the same on the mound, but then you, you look at it and it's, you know, we know what to expect from Charlie Goldstein. We know, you know, Leighton Finley, obviously I saw him on the Cape and was mm-hmm. excellent and yeah. saw him in the fall and he was great. You know, Colton Smith pitched some big games. Obviously Chandler Marsh has a great arm. And then you, you mix in the transfers. We saw what Jarvis Evans could do late last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I kind of was under perhaps underrating just the talent on this mm-hmm. on this staff and then you mix in the west johnson piece of it where he tends to get the best out of his pitchers i mean last year wasn't perfect on the mound for lsu and he managed to, to kind of cobble it together and, and win a national title so i don't know if, if you were kind of like me and went into it kind of maybe with lower expectations then looked at the roster and was like mm, actually actually i could see this being a pretty solid unit when it's all said and done you know people ask me all the time, how do I think George is going to do this spring? And I always go back to the pitch. It's going to depend on the pitch. I think the bats are there, but the pitch is going to be uh, the the question. But, uh, you know, Georgia may not have what you call a, a true star, number one guy type, type pitching, but they've got some some good arms. And I think they've got better depth than they did last year on the mound from, you know, top to bottom starters and bullpen. And like you said, you add in the, the, the West Johnson factor and make no mistake, that, that, that has been a big deal for a number of these kids. You mentioned Chandler Marshall uh, a little bit ago. He has uh, changed his delivery a little bit at, at the behest of Custom Over three quarters deal right now. Uh, he's uh, he just pitching a lot more confidence. And I just, again, I credit, just credit that to Wes. You talked to all these guys. And uh, even though he's only been here, what, seven, seven, eight months now, they swear by what he's trying to teach. Now, it may not, it's, it's kind of funny. You talked to Leighton, even Leighton kind of less. I still don't know everything he's trying to tell me, but. I can understand, you know, what he is is trying to get across. I'm able to apply that to what I'm trying to do on the mound. So you're seeing some, some, uh, some, some good leaps by some of these pitchers, and and uh, we didn't even see all, all the pitchers they have at their disposal this weekend. I mean, we're going to see, uh, you know, uh, we did see Jarvis for for an inning uh, last over the weekend. He's going to start to get the, the game today against Georgia State. But uh, no, um, but Brian Zeldin, you know, guys like that, Brant Panser, I mean, who pitched an inning. Uh, so a couple of newcomers they brought in, but a lot of these other other names uh, that we that are back that you know pitched last year we haven't seen yet. So uh, yeah, I think it's got to potentially be a, a deep group. Uh, may not you know blow your doors off so to speak, but I think it's a good a good solid you know group of a lot of depth, and that's ultimately what you need to kind of navigate through an SEC season. No doubt, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll end on this. Um, do you have a feel for, because, you know, if, if you ask Wes Johnson or any of the coaches, like what constitutes success this year, you'll probably mm-hmm. just hear a lot about the process and, and that's fine. Like I get why they have to 
look at yeah. it that way. But just if I'm asking Anthony Dasher what he thinks constitutes success for this Georgia season, do you have a feel? Because I personally, I don't like I'll go first. Like I don't. Yeah, I'm having a hard time wrapping my arms around what would constitute success from a results perspective for this team. Cause I actually like the talent. Okay. But it's just hard to fathom a team that has had this many new guys and that much turnover. And, and last year, the record was what it was. I just, I'm having a hard time getting there, but I, I do like some of the talent. That's my thing. They've got 27 new players this year, 17 transfers, 10 true freshmen. I, I can't, and as long as I've been covering George, I've never seen a bulldog team with this much many new faces. And I'm still having to, you know, learn learn them you know right now but you know you look you, you say that but then you look at some of these guys they brought in and you mentioned Slade Alford you know who's a, you know knows what it's like to play in the SEC you know Logan Jordan who was at Campbell you know a perennial you know NCAA team they've had success they play played against you know Tennessee they played some of these other schools and, and they've had success you know Dylan Goldstein FAU another team we saw FAU last time Georgia Hosted a regional. FAU was here. Uh, they FAU took one from Vanderbilt this past past weekend. He's had success against teams of this caliber, um, SEC caliber. So you know, I, you asked what would constitute success. I, this team, I think, truly thinks it can be a regional team. As silly as that may sound, I mean, Coach Johnson himself has laid absolutely no limits on what this team can do. I mean, there's a clip, I don't know if you've seen it or not, where he's talking to him in, in the in the clubhouse. And he said that don't never sell yourself short. If you think you can be a this team can be a, a CWS team, now, I don't think that's gonna happen, but that's kind of a he's not he's not he's not putting any kind of limits at all on what this team can do. And if the pitching can be as consistent, I think it can, then then Georgia, I think, will have a, you know. I don't think they're going to finish 500 in conference play, but they can get close and maybe they can, can sneak in. I, 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 I think again, I think you're seeing this team play a, a lot looser already than what we saw last year is not, uh, they're enjoying themselves. They're having fun. And I think that plays a, a, a can play a big role, but again, we'll, we'll see so many new questions, so many new faces, but I think it's going to be a fun team to watch this spring. I really do. Yeah, I, I generally agree. I'm kind of excited to see him with my own eyes at some point. Um, I'm with you just just so I don't leave you out there hanging with your own answer. I'll answer too. I think sure. if they go into Hoover with a chance to play their way into the field, I think that's I think that should be seen as a success. And and they're, they yeah. even last year they really weren't that far off, right? I mean, they came off that Tennessee series win, thinking, hey, if we take care of business against Missouri. Sure then we're right there. And of course that didn't yeah. happen, but yeah. right. You could, they, the one thing that couldn't happen happened. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, but so they really weren't that far off last year. So this team picks up a couple wins that last year's team didn't. I think they're, they're right there. You go into Hoover with the chance to play your way on. And that's really all you're, you're looking for with the postseason. there is, is exactly. to be able to play your, play your way on. And so to me, that's, that's there. And, and look, if they go 12 and 18, but some of these young players, really you know show a lot of potential then i think you'll take that too sure. um but um but yeah the, the idea that they could play meaningful games as they head into hoover i think is at a bare minimum kind of the what i would call a successful season there and, oh, I, and I think that's I certainly within the realm of, of possibility that's kind of where i'm at too yeah uh anthony dasher thank you again for joining us here on sure. highway to hoover real quick go ahead and plug where where readers can can read your stuff find you on social media all that good stuff sure you can find me on ugasports.com and on Twitter at Anthony Dasher One. And I can promise you I cover Georgia baseball more than anybody else in this network. <laughs> 
that is, you know, that, that is a, I should have said that in the intro, like, like truly uh, dedicated to covering Georgia baseball. Sometimes I'm surprised in a, in a market where football comes first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth, um, you know, and also with a basketball team, that's a little bit better than it has been in a while, you know, mm-hmm. um, I sometimes am surprised to see Dash out at games and scrimmages and stuff like that. So I can say from my own personal experience, nobody's covering Georgia baseball like Anthony Dasher. So make sure you're reading his stuff, following him on social media. And that is going to do it for this edition of Highway to Hoover, a production of SEC Extra over at D1Baseball.com. Uh, thank you to Pitch Logic for sponsoring this and every episode of Highway to Hoover. Thank you to Anthony Dasher again for joining me. And thank you, the listener, for listening. We'll talk to you all soon. The Highway to Hoover podcast is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts.